So just to kind of catch you guys up, uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been going through a series on holiness. We've been looking at a number of different areas of life. God, as your creator, has commanded you to live in perfect purity. Uh, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so immediately we see the problem. We know that we are broken. We are sinful. We're rebellious by nature. And even those of you who have come to Christ in salvation, you know the daily battle with sin. And yet God is gracious to give us instruction. He tells us this is how you can live a life of purity. It's not by your own strength. It has to be by his teaching and then through the power of the scriptures. And so we started our series with an introduction looking at Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2, which is our our key verse for the youth ministry here. And then last, uh, excuse me, two Thursdays ago, we look at a purity of thought and we reminded ourselves that everything that you do in life springs out of what you think. So that's kind of the seedbed of all of your actions, your, your motives, your words, uh, how you behave, how you live, all comes out of what you believe and what your mind dwells upon. And so as a follower of Christ, if there are areas in your life that you want to grow in holiness, you need to start with how you think, which is why we began with that. Then last Thursday, we started looking at our lifestyle. We, we started, remember, we had that, that um, list that we made and we said, you know, what were all the things that took place during your life in the last 24 hours? We made a list of all those things. So that's kind of a representation of your lifestyle, what you do with your time. And Jesus wants you to be holy in every single one of those things that took place in your life today and every day. And so it, we, we turn to Psalm chapter 119 because it asks the question that we're trying to answer. And then it gives us 10 different things that we need to consider if we want to live lives of holiness. And so if you, um, if you kind of take a look at Psalm 119, it begins with a question. How can a young man keep his way pure? That actually can be translated as how can a youth live a life of purity? So the idea of the way of life is that list. Everything that you do, if you were to catalog all the things that take place, then that is your lifestyle. And God wants you to be holy in all of those things. And the challenge for us is, even for those of us who love Jesus, like Gabe, The challenge is we desire that, but we're inconsistent. So there might be areas where we're growing, where we have a sensitive conscience, where we want to do what God's asked us to do. And when we sin, we quickly turn from it. We confess it and we don't want to do it again. That's good. But there's usually pockets of our life where we haven't really examined yet. Or maybe we're just so overwhelmed thinking there's no way I can change that. And God says, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's why we need Christ. He prays for us. He forgives us. He he teaches us to grow in what's called our sanctification. And so Psalm 119 says, how can you keep your lifestyle pure? And maybe even as we go through these questions tonight, that the Holy Spirit will bring things to your the forefront of your thinking, and you know that you need to change. God's grace of exposure is a very kind thing, even though it's not always fun and sometimes it's painful. So that's the question. 
that the passage asks. And then it gives us the answer. And it gives us ten different considerations about our life. How can you live a life of purity? These are the things that you need to do in your life. So we're going to take our time working our way through these. If time permits, we'll get through four of them tonight. But we'll see how we're doing. So I want you to look at the first four. Number one is you need to keep your life according to God's standard. Number two, that you need to seek God. Number three is that you need to pray. And then number four is that you need to know and think upon Scripture. So let's read the passage to get its context. Psalm chapter 119, look at verse 9, and we'll read through verse 16. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. What we mentioned last Thursday is if you look at your Bible, most Bibles will have verses 9 through 16 set apart somehow. They might be indented. They might have a a heading. And so you know that this section is answering that one question. How can you live a lifestyle of holiness, of purity? And he gives us all of these rich things to consider. and And they're challenging. So the first one is that you need to keep your life according to God's standard. Now, the reason this is important is because you guys are living in a period of time where the world is going to tell you the exact opposite, is that you are your own standard, that you need to make yourself happy, that no one can judge you because there's no absolute right and wrong. So the idea that there's a standard outside of you, fallen humanity hates that. The idea that there is something that we need to come under as our authority is something that the world does not like to hear. But for those of you who have come to Christ and you've been set free, your eyes have been opened to the fact that who you were before you came to Christ and you don't want to be that way anymore, then you're like, this is something that I I rejoice in, that God wants me to look at whatever his standard is in the Bible and I want to keep myself according to that. So I want you guys to grab onto that phrase. Your, Your translation might say it a little bit differently, but... You want to keep yourself according to God's word. You're comparing yourself to something. And so that's one thing that for those of you who are just now starting to develop your habits of Bible study is that you want to make sure that when you go to the text that you're not putting yourself above the text. You're actually reading to put yourself underneath it. Like, God, I want you to scrutinize me. I want you to tell me and reveal to me if there's any place in my life that is a mismatch compared to what you've told me in the Bible. And just as a real practical standpoint, if God says, I, I, I command that you live pure lives and I've told you how to live pure lives in my word. Guys, if you're not in the Bible, that's a problem. And so you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what the Bible teaches 
Jesus says man does not live on bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Are you in a place in your spiritual disciplines where you are putting yourself underneath the scripture constantly and you want to know every word that God has spoken to you? It's important. So he's the standard. Let me, um, let me give you some really practical ways to think about this. God has spoken on thousands of different topics in the Bible, and all of these at some point become hot topics in living out life. People have questions about different things. What should we do here? How should we handle this circumstance? People might find out that you're a part of a church. You'll go, hey, what's your opinion on this or that? And the answer should be, well, what does the Bible say about that? For example, do you know what the Bible says about money? What does the Bible say about entertainment? Maybe something that's really kind of in our face news-wise right now is what does the Bible say about warfare? What does God say about abortion? Capital punishment. What does the Bible teach you about time management and laziness? Work ethic. What does the Bible tell us about eating and our physical health and our bodies? What does the Bible say about obeying the speed limit? What kind of friends does God want you to choose because they're going to have great influence on you? Or fill in the blank. I went and spoke at a summer camp once, and I told the, the students there, I said, give me a topic, any topic that you want. Give me 24 hours because I need to study, and I'll show you that the Bible deals with that topic. And I said that not because of my bank of knowledge. That's why I asked for 24 hours to study. But what I was trying to illustrate to these kids is that this book is exhaustive for every single circumstance you can run into in life. And so you guys need to know what it teaches. You are not getting enough Bible if you leave it to just church activities. If you are not in the word every single day and learning and growing in your knowledge of what God has said, you are putting yourself in a dangerous circumstance of not knowing what God has commanded you to do. And you're going to be held accountable for that. God has said, I have put my word in this book and I'm go- you're going to stand before me one day accountable for what I've told you in this book. And so are you pursuing his scripture? So when you guys come to that time of hesitation of getting into your Bible study, there should be like this little overriding thought of, I don't care how I feel. This is something that God has commanded me to do. It is good for me and I need it today. So we need to be in the word because we need to compare ourselves to his standard. That's the first step of holiness is that you need to make sure that your life is compared to the Bible and anywhere that you fall short, you need to ask for God to help you and say every single one of us have areas of weakness that's different than the person that's next to you. We have a lot of generalities that will overlap, but what may be a very severe struggle for me may not be as bad for you and vice versa. And so it's like, okay, God, I need you to tell me how I can grow spiritually. I need to know your word. The second thing he tells us, look at the beginning of verse 10. He says, with all my heart, I have sought you. 
I want you guys to stop and think about this. What does it mean to seek something? If you were to describe what it means to seek after something, what does that mean? You can answer if you want. Yes. To look for it. Good. Okay. So you're taking initiative to go and look for something. Okay. What else? You want to do it, right? It's like, okay, this is a desire. Excellent. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. So it's going to take effort. I'm going to put work into what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a, there's an intensity there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When things get hard, it's like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep looking. So the second thing that the scripture tells us, how can you make sure that your lifestyle is one of purity? The second thing is that you need to seek after God with all of your heart. The intensity at which you look for something is equal to your desire of the object. So, for example, we have a six-year-old. In classic six-year-old fashion, he has a rock collection. And by rock collection, I mean any rock is up for grabs. So I want you to think about the scenario where Owen comes to me and says, Dad, I'm missing one of my rocks, which used to be a pebble out on the driveway, right? Now, because I try to be nice to my son, we look for a little while, but in the back of my head, I'm going, I don't care where this rock's at. He's going to have 10 more by the time the day's over, right? But flashback three years ago to the orange shirt on the wall. Our first year at Lakeview, second year. And summer camp was at um, a waterfront. Owen is just mobile. He's a toddler. And I don't know where he's at. We were all setting up, loading our stuff out of the vans. And Kristen and I looked at each other and realized that neither one of us had Owen. And when, if you're a parent and there's water nearby, the first thing is, I need to find my son. That's the type of intensity because his soul and his well-being is my number one priority as a dad. His rock collection? Don't care. So what the intensity of your searching will tell you how much you value what you're seeking after. And here in... The Hebrew language, when it says, I have sought you with all my heart, we tend to hear that in the English language when we think emotions. The Hebrews did not think that way when they used this term. The heart encapsulated the entire person, will, emotion, and intellect, personality, thoughts. God, every part of my being, I'm going to seek after you. That's how you start to pursue purity, is you pursue God himself. Because purity is not this, like, random power in the Christian life. It is the relationship that you have to Christ. And so I want to pursue him. I want to think about him. I want to read about him in the Bible. I want to talk about him with other people. I want to find other brothers and sisters in Christ 
and tell them what I'm learning in the scriptures. I want to go to people and ask them questions about the truth of the scriptures because I want to know him more. There should be an intensity, a desire to seek after him. So just kind of nuts and bolts um, connection here. Think about your typical morning when you wake up. How long does it take your mind to remember God as you're starting your day? And do you think about him weaving in and out of your activities throughout the day? We need to seek after him. There should be an intensity about him that is greater than anything else. So we keep God's standard, which he tells us in the Bible. The second thing is that we need to seek God with all our heart. That's our mind, our will, and our our emotion. And then the third is that we need to pray. Look at the second half of verse 10. He says, do not let me wander from your commandments. Then he actually says a second prayer. Look at verse 12, the second part of verse 12. He says, teach me your statutes. So how is your guys' prayer life? How often do you pray? What type of things do you pray for? If you were to have the interaction with your best friend at the level that you interact with God, how would your friendship be from a human standpoint? Do you talk to God often? Do you bring things before him? And and here, the request in verse 10 is, do not let me wander. What's implied in that statement? Yeah, I'm tending to wander. So God, I know this about myself. And maybe there's a little bit of desperation in this prayer. God, I know that I I am drawn to sin. I know that I give in to temptation easily. And I'm praying that you help me not to wander. And he says specifically not to wander from your commandments. So I want to know what the Bible says. I want to pursue you by keeping those commandments. And those days where I start to feel the draw to not do that, Father, I pray that you would help me not to wander. And then he says... Verse 12, he says, teach me. I want to know what you've told me to do. We want to have that same heart where the psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. I mean, we don't think of law that way, right? Especially in our culture today, law is associated with corruption and and heavy-handedness and unfair and unjustice. It's like, that's not the way it is with God's law. Everything that God commands is what is best for you. And the psalmist is learning that. He's like, I love your law. Lord, help me, please. Teach me what your statutes are. Help me not to wander from your commandments. Do you guys pray that way? I want you to think about the last time when you started to feel the temptation to do something wrong. Did you stop and pray and ask God to help you in the moment of temptation? That really gives you a different perspective on the temptation. And I know there's been times to my shame where I have resisted that prayer because I know that it would change my decision and I pursued sin anyway. So spiritual maturity is overriding 
your desire in that moment is say, God, I'm in, I'm in a moment of temptation. I need you to help me to think according to what your word says so that I don't wander from you. Do you guys think that way when temptation comes? Do you pray? Do you ask God to help you? You can think about when Peter was starting to, to walk on water and all of a sudden he sank, right? His prayer was brief and quick and desperate. Lord, save me. That's all he said. We need to do that. And then lastly, verse 11, we need to know the scriptures. Verse 11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. (laughs) Typically when we see this verse, for those of you who've been around church, you're going to think about scripture memorization, which is good. But I want you to think bigger than that. This is not limited just to memorizing the scripture. Let me say it a different way. There's a lot of people that have a lot of scripture memorized, but they don't treasure it. So you need to know it, you need to internalize it, and you need to guard it is the idea, protect it, that it is your treasure. So think about the verses that you know, for those of you who have been blessed being grown up in a Christian family. Do you treasure those verses? And he says, I have done this. I've actually treasured, I've internalized what your Bible says. Why? There's a purpose. So that I may not sin against you. That's why we study the scriptures. God, I want to be, I want to be so saturated with what the Bible says that it changes the way I think and that it, the, the result is springing out of my thoughts a life that is of purity. We need to think the way God thinks so that we live the way he's commanded us to live. So I want to give you guys some exhortation here as we think about this. Back to the question, verse 9. How does a young person keep their path pure? You need to look outside yourself. There's a standard that you, you need to come under, which is the scriptures. Everything about you should be seeking after Christ, your mind, your will, your emotions. You need to pray for help. You need to realize your weaknesses. And you need to treasure the Bible. Let me give you a kind of a scenario so that you can kind of connect the dots with what we're talking about here. A number of years ago, this was before I was on staff here at at Taylor Creek Church. I had a particular position and one of my coworkers was not a pleasant person. So change the scenario to whatever would be fitting for you. Somebody in your class at school, somebody on a sports team, whatever the case may be. Like you're around this person all the time and you don't have a chance. You don't have the opportunity to get away from them, right? Not a fun scenario. So it's like, well, how do you, how do you deal with that? So it's a very, like, practical, God, I want to keep my way pure, even though this person is not pleasant, they're not nice to me. What do we do? So how do I walk in holiness when I'm faced with someone in my life that is someone that I don't want to be around? So what do we just learn? God has a standard. So your mind should immediately go to, what does the Bible say about my enemies? Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. 
Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, that's what you've been taught. But I say to you, this is the real teaching. You are to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This particular verse has all four of these steps in here. You think about what God's standard is. Jesus told us to love this person, even though they might be an enemy. I want to seek him by going to the scriptures and reading Matthew chapter 5. I want to take in what Matthew chapter 5 says and treasure it, not just know it intellectually, but now I want it to be a part of how I think. And then I've been told to pray for them. And I will tell you that your heart towards your enemy will change if you commit to praying for them. So then it helps with the bitterness. It helps with the anger. It helps with the frustration. It helps with fear or anxiety, whatever is the the, the friction of that relationship. This is what God's word has said. He says, I... His, his providence and his sovereignty has placed you in a circumstance that is not pleasant, but he doesn't make a mistake. And so, God, I'm going to have to walk through this. I don't see a way around it. Obviously, guys, my circumstance was not physical danger. I'm not suggesting that you stay anywhere where you're physically in danger. We're talking about relationships that are hard and difficult. It's like, okay. This is what God's word is. This is his standard. I need to pray for wisdom. I need to think according to what the scripture says. I don't want to just know what Matthew chapter 5 says, but God help me to carry it out. And I can tell you that when you start to initially pray for this person that you don't like, it's hard because your flesh doesn't want to do it. Because you don't even want to think about him. You just trust God's word and work your way through it. That's how you keep your way pure. You're going to start to have compassion for this person because they probably need Christ. Whatever the case may be. That's just one scenario. But I want you to see that what we've talked about here tonight is very day-to-day applicable. How do you keep your way pure? Keep it according to his word. Seek God with all your heart. Pray and know the scriptures. Because the only way to be pure is through Christ. You can't take your own sin away. Jesus is the only one that can change you and give you a heart of purity. So let's pray as we close. If the Lord has brought things to your mind, don't ignore that. Take that before him in prayer. Look for counsel from other people if you need that. And uh, let's ask God to teach us as we close. Father, we are grateful that Jesus died on the cross. He became sin for us so that we could become your righteousness. And so if there's anybody that has not been saved here tonight that does not know Christ as their Savior, let them see all of the impurity in their life and let them see the danger that they're in, but let them be overwhelmed with the grace that Christ offers newness of life and forgiveness and a cleansed conscience because you're a God of of great love and mercy. And so many of us in the room here tonight, Father, we want to walk in purity. And so I pray that you would help us to do that. Help us to live according to your standard. 
Help us to seek you. Help us to pray. And help us to know what the word says, especially when we're in those circumstances that are overwhelming for us. Thank you that your wisdom is sufficient for anything that we face. Let us cling to the scriptures. And thank you for the spirit that gives us the power to do what you've commanded. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.